0: Welcome to Admin Unboxed. We are a show that encourages you to think beyond the boundaries of traditional stereotypes surrounding the administrative profession. Did you know that there's 160 different job titles in our profession? Holy moly guacamole. That is a lot of job titles. So our show is about having guests on where we'll unpack the prickly stuff, share industry updates, we'll document, we'll review, we'll show off the admin profession's incredible diversity, talent and opportunities. It's a show full of honest, open conversations. Lots of cheerleading, lots of joy. Thanks for joining us and let's get tucked into the show. Hey,
1: Ike. I'm Mel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's your week been?
2: Good, good, actually. So, um,
1: yeah, I'm um, fighting fit. It's a Monday. We're ready to take on the week. Nice one. It's, well, yes, we should um, point out that it is a Monday and normally we do Tuesday, but we did a little bit of shuffling. Um, but we're finding that most people are listening to us on Spotify, so um, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter sort of when we do the show. So um, that brings us to today's topic, which um coincides with are you okay day last thursday which i hope everyone um asks that question you know during the year not only on are you okay day but it's a nice reminder and we're going to talk about work-life balance and mental health in the workplace Um, so ek what's your thoughts on work-life balance and do you think you are achieving
2: it (laughs) Um, i if i'm honest i haven't always I've got smarter over the years with that. So one of the things I always do I didn't, is just at least if it's five minutes, I walk out of the office around the block or walk and get a drink or whatever it is um, just to have that break away from my desk. And I find that regroups me for the afternoon. But I've also left two jobs because of the burnout, definitely, and I've recognised that in myself um and sometimes you know things get piled on and on you because what's that saying give a busy person a job to do um and yeah so it's good I recognize when that situation is happening and sometimes it is a job change as well definitely well just yeah that acknowledgement of it happening
1: I suppose (laughs) is the first step um but balance for me um I love the word balance and I I it's sort of it's almost a mantra and I've I um, always think about a hexagon. I've got lots of hexagons in my life because we have bees in nature and they're our balance in nature and I always find that that, that little symbol um, just reminds me to always think about everything that I'm doing in life, not only work and not only you know, work-life balance but to just balance everything. And I don't think it's 50-50 balance. I don't think it ever will be. So I think it's about, you know, that 70-30 and flipping it around and sometimes it being 30-70. So that's oh, what, yeah. yeah, balance for yeah. me is. Uh, but, you know, what's the favourite thing, do hey. thing you do to chill out though? Um, oh, I do a bit of everything. I've got a few hobbies that I like to do and, um, and then sometimes, you know, after a hard, you know, mental day at work, I'll just come home and, sit on the couch looking through Instagram. Sometimes that, that's my downtime and mm-hmm. I'm quite happy to do that because I'm just mentally drained. And I don't want to look at a computer again. Because sometimes I do my you know, my um, creative stuff is sometimes on the computer. But when you've been on the computer all day, I don't want to yeah. do that. So even though I am picking up a screen, it's, a it's a still it's still just bagging out. It's just having that, you know, chill out time where you're not actually
2: thinking. So yeah, I was gonna yep. say with one, um, like we're touching on business support, we we're nurturers, we're givers, we look after everybody else and sometimes we forget to look after ourselves. Yeah. So it's yes. um sometimes it's even which I found scary the first time, I took myself to the movies by myself because I didn't want to talk to anyone, I didn't want to go with anyone. Yep. Just wanted to escape for a bit. And I started taking myself to the movies quite often and I quite liked it. So um it's just realising what you need to do for yourself that re energizes you, or even sometimes it just moves you all away to have that headspace cleared yeah definitely
1: um so we're definitely not experts so we've got an expert or guru on today i'm going to bring kate connors on and just before we say good day to kate i'm just going to do a little quick intro so um kate isn't a professional administrator however she's um be, she's got 25 years experience and she's a chief mental health advisor leader in wellbeing and advocate for healthy workplaces. Um, and I want to say that you've mainly worked in the corporate sector and um, Kate has worked with CEOs right through to admin staff. So hello, Kate, and welcome. To hello,
3: my darling Mel, and it's lovely to meet you, EK. Thank you for having me. You're
1: very welcome. So just to... Um, give some background kate and i did work together for 12 months um, in the wellness space which was awesome i learned a lot in that time and then when we were talking about work-life balance and mental health i thought who better to get on than kate so um, if you want to give us a little bit of background of you know your career and um what inspired you to to be where you are now and um yeah just a little bit about yourself would be great thank
3: you um well, look, I think it's always a bit intimidating when you get introduced as a guru. So let me just kind of preface that, that this is um, something, yes, I absolutely have a lot of passion about and, yes, I cer- certainly do have worked in and around for a very long time, but it's also an area that's constantly growing and lots of du- new research and science and things like that. So so it's, um, it is also an area that's quite easy to kind of do reading yourself about as well and to learn things about. So encourage everyone, encourage everyone to, to do that. But in regards to my career, oh my God, the story of Kate Connors. Um, so I initially wanted to be a teacher when I was a little gal, uh, but that was kind of knocked on the head by the parents of my friends who were teachers who said, don't do that, don't do that. Um, And that then morphed into this concept of psychologist. Um, And what I did at university was a qualification that was called, um, it was a postgraduate uh, qualification to my psychology undergrad degree in something called rehabilitation counselling. And rehabilitation counselling, it's not really... um, I don't think that there's still that fourth year program around anymore, but the essence of that study was about how important work is in our overall well-being and um, how we are at our best as humans. So what I find really fascinating when I think about where the world of work is at, at the moment and what we tend to find in conversation about work is that work is something that we all cope with you know, like it's how do you cope with work? Whereas where I started in my career was very much around the foundation that if you've got employment, you are a way a step ahead from a mental health and overall physical health and well-being perspective than people who don't have employment, um, and that work is actually really, really good for you. Um, and somewhere in the last thirty years, that seems to have been. Kind of morphed into that we all now feel like we just have to cope with work rather than have this real passion that work is actually something that is supposed to energize us and bring out our best and make us be at our best um so i think over my career i've worked in a lot of different kind of settings i was an eap counselor i was one of the people that you would see when you went to the eap service and i sat there and saw Six or seven people a day. Um, I used to do uh, like response onto mine sites and that kind of stuff. So if there was a fatality on a mine site, I would go off to the mine site and be there to support the managers and the leaders and the people who had been impacted, um, and often families as well of people who were injured or killed um, in workplace accidents. Um, All the way through to becoming a leader of a service of the service delivery, um, and that. Led to me being CEO of a EAP service and COO of a EAP service, um, and um, yeah, then into the chief mental health officer realm, which is about trying to keep the orchestra of all of the different things that can go on in an organisation that are there to drive mentally healthy workplaces, all kind of singing to the same to the same tune and all working towards the same goals. So that's a bit about my career. Is that what you were? That helpful, interesting and crowd, and crowd conversation. Very helpful
1: and I love the bit about um, just reminding us that people without a job are, yeah, going to be in a worse position and you've just made me think I should be so appreciative that I have a job and I have a role that, yeah, maybe I don't like all the time but I think a different perspective on it is, is yeah, I, I like that.
3: Well, I think it comes down, Mel, to this idea of being meaningfully occupied. So occupation, you know, if we go back to, I don't know, Pride and Prejudice era and all that kind of stuff, it was, you know, how is it that people were at their best then and they were always looking for an occupation, you know, because if they didn't have something meaningful to do, um, it wasn't good for them. And so the whole profession of occupational therapy is based off that um, principle as well, that... Um, it's really important to have meaningful, purposeful occupation. Um, and, yeah, as I say, there's, um, I think, you know, it's probably GFC, recessions and all that kind of stuff that went on through the 80s and 90s, and well, more into the 90s when people were then a bit fearful of, of having stable employment that the whole concept of you've just got to cope, you've just got to put up with, Whatever it is that might be happening in a workplace, um, because obviously it's also incredibly important to have financial security. That's a critical in critical enabler of mental health and well-being as well. So it's it's complex, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and as you were saying, okay, you might need to leave a job because it's you know you've tried or you just don't believe that there's um, anything really meaningful that you can do for your own health and well-being in that job. Absolutely, it's better to move jobs, but there's still always going to be that, what about the financial insecurity that might happen if you if you just leave a job because it's not good for your health and that's where there are systems that really should be clicking into place because that's not the way the world of work, um, particularly in, in, a, in a society like Australia should be operating.
2: That's right. It's interesting when um, you talk about EAP and having those programs in businesses. And I think there's probably a little bit of a stigma to people, hey, calling in and and talking to someone on the other side of the phone or in person. And I think people don't believe that it is absolutely anonymous. Your boss doesn't know. They really are there to help you and your family, whatever you're going through. And I'm I'm sure you've had a lot of impact on a lot of people's lives that way.
3: Well, I I totally agree with you. It really is interesting that people don't trust the confidentiality of that service, because um, having worked within them, on the inside of them, I can totally and absolutely say um, that the big players, you know, there's there's just no risk that anything is going to get back to the employer. Though they're, they're, I just can't imagine that that's the case from the people I know who work in that sector from having worked in, in those organisations myself. Um, I think the EAP piece is an interesting one it does get a little bit of a bad rap that it's only there for when you're not well um, and you you know things are going badly and you need some intervention or support to get through something that's not great whereas i would really encourage people to also consider uh calling their eap for thinking through how they do want to design their well-being how they do want to reflect on you know, mm. some of the challenges of what does it need to look like and what's reasonable and what's possible and what do other people do and, and to design. Mel, remember, we used to do a lot of stuff on, on you know, you've got to have a plan. Like mm. wellbeing doesn't just fall in your lap. Like you need to have a sense of how you're going to create it for yourself. And, you know, the EAP professionals are, are great people to talk to to help you to get some ideas about that. So mm. I would really encourage people to think of it as a proactive kind of measure um, as well as something that's there for you if you're going through a tough time.
2: That's great. I never thought about it that way, actually, so I really love that.
3: Um, And,
2: you know, we're talking about, how you know, the effect of work-life balance and everything like that. So what do you, you know, how do you get that balance right? Because I don't think it's going to be 50-50 like Mel said earlier. How do you work out what's the balance for you? Or maybe it changes through your life
3: yeah it really doesn't and and to be honest with you it's probably mel you said that you like the word balance it's probably not a word that i would tend to use too often anymore it's more about um, taking the time to reflect using the evidence that we have that we know is the case in terms of what creates or what designs the best kind of work and role situation so if we think about work Um, there is a there's a framework that I use a lot with clients um, called the smart role design framework and you can read about it and you can even do a little quiz about it to assess where your role design is at the creation of your own role and how it's operating for you um, at a place at a website called thrive at work which is Um, but it's an institute that looks at healthy work design and how we can, you know, maximise all of the opportunities of work being good for us. Um, Out of in Perth it is, it's it's a Perth-based institution. And if we think about smart role design, it's the hours bit comes into it at the end. (laughs) So if we think about the times when we have been working really, really hard and working a lot of hours but it's actually been one of the funnest and best and most rewarding times of our career. And so sometimes just thinking about it only as the hours, you can sometimes miss thinking through the things, the other things that you can boost or you can try and put intention or focus into. And so the SMART framework helps people to have some clues about where they can actually put some focus or do some reflection. And the S stands for stimulation, The M stands for mastery, A stands for agency, Um, R stands for the relational, so the relationships kind of component of your role, and then the T is about what's tolerable, and that's where that how demanding the hours can be and all that kind of stuff. So often it's really good, and I love your hexagon kind of idea, Mel, because to me it's about a jigsaw puzzle, and a hexagon is like that kind of shape that can often fit in a puzzle. Um, So, you know, sometimes the reason that people end up not being in a great place is because they're bored and they're not being challenged Mm -hmm. enough, you know? And so that's where the S for stimulating, is it stimulating enough for you? Is it providing opportunity for growth, right, in terms of the job that you're in? Um, The M is about mastery. You're still learning new things. You're getting good feedback. Uh, Are people telling you... What you need to do a bit differently so you can keep improving, and are they doing that in a really respectful and helpful way? Um, a is about how much you can control your workflow and control how things operate, a um, bit of innovation in the way that you create and go about your job. Um, and then the R is the relational kind of components, you know, about your relationships, your sense of fun, your connection, your belonging. So, actually, to me, having at- to that kind of framework and to think about it across those first four things, which are the things that you can boost and try and create or get more of in your day-to-day world, in your role. And then the T is the tolerable, is it tolerable or isn't it? will offset that. So if you can boost the other stuff, then you're more likely to be able to cope with a greater set of demands on the other end. Um, but it, And sometimes it is just intolerable, right? If the, if you can't boost the S the M the A and the R and it's just not going to be tolerable, that's when absolutely you get to a point where you think, is this the job for me? We've, you've spoken to people, or you don't feel comfortable to do that, so you move jobs, etc. But it is a, a nice um, empowering way to think about it in terms of thinking mm-hmm. about those other things that you can perhaps tinker with or have conversations with your managers or other people that you work with to, to try and boost those factors that you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis.
2: That's really, I think um, some people are really good at, at sort of, whole, you know, outwardly not showing signs of burnout or, um, you know, any mental health issues they may be experiencing. What can we do to really sort of recognise those signs and what steps should we take to help them if we can?
3: Yeah, um, look, it's an interesting one and, and you were talking about are you okay, uh, well, you know, when you kicked off. Um, and I actually put something on LinkedIn last week about are you okay when I was, I'm actually really keen for people to ask a question before that. Um, so before you can really go in and ask someone else, are you okay, I think we need to ask ourselves, am I okay? Um, and, I, and I think that having a good sense of what good looks like for you. Knowing when you're at your best, knowing what are the key, reg, you know, green flags that know that you're going really well, right? Um, and then what are the amber flags that you might need to keep a bit of an eye on, which shows that maybe you're kind of sliding down the mental health continuum a little bit. And so you can do early intervention and boost some things and get your wellbeing plan and, and focus into, into action, um so that's probably okay i think something that i would really encourage people to do is to is to be conscious and really self-aware for themselves about when they are okay so an am i okay question um for me i know that i'm okay when i sing along to the radio when i'm in the car because i'm a bit of a singer um when i kind of move my body and dance a little bit when i hear music and when i'm a lot more patient with the world it doesn't bother me if someone cuts me off when I'm driving or someone's you know taking really long time to come over to help me at a coffee shop or whatever like that's the kind of stuff when I know I'm kind of crazy (laughs) as soon as I notice those things not happening for me Mm -hmm. that's my clue that I need to Maybe you do more exercise or get more sleep or do more connecting things with people or really focusing on stuff that having conversations with something that's worrying me, like then you can work out that you need to take some action. Um, but ultimately it's about when change happens. So you need to notice when you're, you're changing, you're sliding away from when you're at your best. And in terms of that, um, you know, wonderful thing around community connection and being there for others, it is about what is that person, you know, are they changing? Are they not quite seeming themselves? And what feels a bit different? Um, but I'd be curious, like, do you guys think that sometimes it's important to also make sure you've got the relationship with somebody before you can go in mm. and ask that question? Like, I, I think that's really important as well from that, are you okay? I, kind of lens.
1: I think so, but I also think sometimes it's nicer. Like you almost, if there is something wrong and someone notices who doesn't know you very well, yes oh, yeah. it's nice when or that person's not in your world and they've come up to you and said, are you okay? And you go, well, actually, no. And yeah. then you have a vent and then you, you can walk away and go, well, I've actually vented to someone who doesn't really know what, what's going on, but I feel so much better now. So I haven't actually spoken to the person that's annoying me, or the the you know, because I think sometimes we just want to vent, and once you have that vent, and sometimes that's the the are you okay piece, because if you if you haven't vented about it, that's when it's bottled up, and that's probably when the change comes. You know, being able to physically see someone change is that they've bottled it up so much. So I think yeah. sometimes
2: it depends how complex I suppose the issue yeah. is. Yeah,
1: like yeah. if you.
3: That's in, right. What what were you going to say? Okay, I
2: was going to say something. I've done it once or twice, but I've actually gone to their manager, right? And I just said, "Have you noticed that such and such probably just not as bubbly as they normally are, or they, yeah. they seem a bit anxious? You know, do you have you noticed that? i was just wondering because yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to chat to them, but you're the manager, you might have seen more. Yeah, I'm sorry that um, the like. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I've done it that way once or twice and the manager yeah. said, actually, yes, I have. So, you know, That's sometimes when you don't have that close relationship but you notice it, exactly what Mel said, you might notice it.
3: Yeah. So I think that there's um, there's something quite different to someone who is having a bad day and might just need to vent in that kind of, you know, hey, what's going on? Are you all right? Kind of question versus when there has been um, change over time and and a consistent kind of change in someone's behaviour that is now more that they really aren't kind of presenting like they usually do in how they interact and how they respond um, in their general mood and that that's been something that has been noticed for, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, into a month, that kind of timeline, um, is when that's when it's more around, I don't like to, you know, Sometimes it can feel a little bit too scary for people to, for, for it to be a bit too serious. But I think another w- way it is, it is, you know, we care about you is something going on. Like you're just not seeming like yourself and you haven't seemed like yourself for a couple of weeks, you know. It's not just that you're having a bad day, you know. So I think those things are quite different. Right. Really? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, coming out of COVID and, you know, a lot of people working from home. So there would be a lot of people that, well, I mean, I haven't been, I've been on leave and, and I've been back two weeks, but I haven't been back into the office yet. So none of my work colleagues really, and a lot of my colleagues are interstate now as well, um, they wouldn't know if I was really having an issue. But but that's it. That I suppose you're not going to necessarily know that. And I know that I need to reach out to people Virtually as well to have them reach out to me. But um, just talking about that work-life balance within a home office, home office and home situation, is it? Do you think it's getting better now that people are starting to go back into work, or is there still a big issue that people? I know a lot of people like working from home and want to work from home, but then it's almost this. It's not that great for some people. So I
3: <laughs> agree, Mel. I um I humans are inherently about connection and villages. That is actually how we are designed. Um and the role of work is an important part of that, right? Is is where we belong is where we connect in. So I my personal view on this and to be honest there isn't a lot of data on this yet, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that people need to be careful about how much they work from home because I think it can result in people being much less, much more isolated. Mm. Um, and just because something is more convenient doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for us. So yeah. I like to use the example of Uber Eats or convenience food or prepackaged food. It's very convenient, but we all know from a physical health perspective that it's, you know, it's not good for you, right? <laughs> it's there for a reason and a purpose and it's we use it when we most need to use it because there's a da-da-da-da. Um, and I, I personally think that working from home is a bit the same. So I think the actual level that it needs to be, is going to be very variable, depending on who you are and how far away you live from the office and your kids and this and that and mm. all of that, right? Um, so I don't—I'm not necessarily saying about a particular formula of you must be in three days a week or something like that, but I do think that staying at home because it's easy is not a good way to think through mm. what is best for you for your well-being for the longer term because um, it's, it's just removing connection, removing mm-hmm. learning, removing stimulation, removing some of those things that we were just talking about in terms of smart role design. Um, and so unless there's a clear way that you're going to get all of those other things, you yeah. you've just got to do it with care, I think is how I would describe it. And I think um, the other part of it is that it's really well-documented how during COVID and working from home, people are saying how hard they find it to switch off. So for me, it's this kind of paradox that people are saying, oh, you know, I find it really, really hard to switch off, yet I I found it easier to switch off when I used to go into the office because then I'd have Mm. my mute and da-da-da, and yet people are staying working at home. So to me, going into the office more would be one of those things that would help you to get better at switching off because you've got that transition time. Um, And I also think it's just a little bit more stimulating, you know, shaking up the week a little bit, the design of the week. I think that that's helpful for a lot of people. Again, not for everyone. If you've got different childcare things or a sick parent or like it, it's got to be fluid and you've got to think about it and design it with intention. Um, but, but do it mindfully, I think, is the key thing yeah. that I would suggest.
1: Yeah, because we're very, um, we, a lot of people like structure. So I spoke like, because I, but I'm good at, like, I will be going into the office tomorrow and Wednesday, <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, we, but I notice it. If I haven't gone into the office and I stay away for too long, I sort of go into myself and I don't want to talk to people almost. Uh, But as soon as I'm in the office, I'm like, oh, I need to be in here more often sort of thing. So, uh, but I think you can be fluid, but then I think also um, people like their structure as well. So I suppose for some people, you you should have your set days that you go in and um, just to
3: if that works for you and if that's the culture of the, that organisation or that team or whatever, I agree with you. I think that there is a certain piece that comes from structure that then everyone knows, okay, such and such is going to be in that day. If they're going to be in, then I'm going to go in too. And then do, do you know what I mean? Like it creates a little bit of momentum. Um, but that's often about how a team is led, um, you know, the other policies, et cetera, of that organisation, you um, so there's a lot of things that go into that but um, I, I'm just really conscious that I don't want to be the person that says everyone should be back at office because I don't believe that but I also don't believe um, that staying at home and working from home for, for days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months on end is very good for people. I just don't, I, I don't believe that either.
1: I kind of agree, but it's funny because my because well, you know Jeremy Jeremy my husband he's yes. the only person in Australia so he has
3: to he has to work from home. It's different, you know what I mean? yeah, it is different. But what he yeah, used to do that are that, but there are some jobs yeah. that aren't that. So well,
1: before COVID, cool. he drove me into work every day, and yeah, my yeah. colleagues would laugh at me and say, "Oh, how lucky are you? Your husband drives you into work." But that was his, he would say, no, that gets me up in the morning. Yeah. That I take you, I come back. Mind you, like we're 20 minutes from from work. And then in the afternoon he'd come and in the evening come and pick me up. And that was his way of going, oh, my day's finished. Yeah. And that's how he would work it. So he doesn't do that as much anymore because I don't go into the office as much. <laughs> but he is driving me in tomorrow morning.
3: <laughs> But it is a funny thing, though, that whole thing around how we get into habits. Mm. And I mean, just look at how challenging it is in managing physical habits that we know aren't good for our health. It's the same with our mental health. Like, it is. We can get into habits, and just because it's easy, we yeah. think that somehow that means that it's going to be better for our well being and mental health. And it's just not the case. Like, nothing that is easy tends to be the thing that drives um health and well-being whether it's physical health or well-being or mental mm. health and well-being to be honest
1: yeah no that's a good thing to remember actually yeah
3: thanks Kate <laughs> get yourself into the office Mel God, <laughs> I'm going I'm going <laughs> oh, I had two weeks of jet lag
1: so you know I had no, to
3: no, no, no. exactly no it that this is what I mean, you, and it's really uh, it's a bit quite a sensitive topic out there. So that's why I'm kind mm. of trying to put lots of caveats and everything around it because there are lots of caveats around it. But I, I think the one caveat is don't just assume that because something is convenient that it's good for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well said. <laughs> um, EK, have you got any more questions for Kate? You're no, all good. I
2: think I think I've just got one good. more.
1: Just about. Um, um I have got one here around <laughs> can I can coming even say it? admin professionals um so do you believe uh, are there key elements of a mentally healthy workplace and how can admin professionals contribute to creating such an environment so do you think that that we could drive that mentally health, healthy workplace or do you think it's top down or is it HR's responsibility? I, I know you're going to say it's everybody's responsibility.
3: But... <laughs> um, of course I am and it's the same with physical health and safety, how that, you know, when we do our physical health and safety training and stuff, it's you don't just walk past a hazard, you don't just walk yeah. past the Puddle of water on the floor and think that someone else is going to clean it up, right? It's a hazard. And it's this again, it's the same with mentally healthy workplaces. There are three key components to driving mentally healthy workplaces. One is about preventing harm, one is about us educating ourselves and being um, active in saying what's hazardous, um, being involved in focus groups. And you know there is a lot of um, there's some regulation change happening across the workplace health and safety schemes around Australia. So in most workplaces there will be more activity in terms of doing consultation around what are the things that you know get in the way of your mental health, what are the things that harm you, what are the things that make you have a great day, and what are the things that really result in you having not a great day, Um, and clarifying those things. So absolutely, I think. Administration professionals are incredibly observant people in my experience. They absolutely have their finger on the pulse of what is going on in an organisation, what works well, what works efficiently, what causes frustration, what causes stress. So I think that um, administration professionals are really beautifully positioned to speak up about those things if they feel safe to when asked. Um, the other kind of component to mentally healthy workplaces is supporting people or mitigating kind of um, illness is kind of the one of the pillars that's described and again that's where the are you okay kind of piece fits in that's where this you know trying to reduce stigma kind of comes in that's where creating belonging and a sense of connection in teams and stuff comes in um, and admin people play a huge role in that in terms of what do people like to do? How can we do this? Who's, who's maybe a little bit left out? You know, noticing that, saying something. Um, where Are there maybe little cultural divides happening or um, is something changing and we need to get onto that quickly from an early intervention perspective? Early intervention is a really important component to mentally healthy workplaces too. So I think um, that's a perfect place for admin people to, to feel as though they're having a real impact and meaning um, and then the final pillar is about, you know, thriving and promoting the positives and all of those kind of things. And, and that's, um, you know, that's really fun kind of thinking about process improvement and career, you know, change and, um, you know, development plans and all of those kinds of things too. So... Doing that for yourself, I think, is really important, and knowing that that is okay to say. If I'm going to thrive, I need to continue to grow. I want to learn something. I want to be given new challenges. Yeah, I'm I'm good. There's nothing wrong, but I'd love to be better. <laughs> you know, um, and I think that that is something that I've always noticed in the um, the administrative support people that I've worked so closely with. Is they're always about how can we do this better? Yeah, it's it's fine, but how can we do it better? Um so I think that though all of those things play a really important role in driving mentally healthy workplaces.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Kate. I think I think we'll leave it at that on that note because it was very um, inspiring and uplifting uh, answer to the last question. So thank you. Thank you for coming on
3: for having me and good yep. on you guys this is um I'm, I went as i said i think it's brilliant that you are doing this show and creating a connection and creating an opportunity for ad- administration professionals to feel connected and part of a community it's really important it's like good stuff
1: definitely thanks kate see you later bye kate we'll just um wrap up now um so next topic will be
2: administration. Mm-hmm. Professionals in the education, so primary school and high school. So we've got um, some people that are working in both those sectors there and how it differs a little bit from the corporate um, and what education they have there. But um, some amazing different perspectives from Kate then, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I Yeah, I got a lot out of that. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to jump on that website and I'm sure we'll put that up as well on all our um, socials. And just um, to wrap up, reminder that, we are on Spotify now, which we're finding that's where most of our engagement is. So um, you can listen on the way to work, you can listen while you're doing the dishes, you know, whatever, whenever you need to listen. Um, and we just wanted to mention, um, I run for her again, which is the I haven't written it here. Is it 16th of October? It's the 15th of October. Sorry, should have written that one down. Um, and apparently we've got teams in Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney, and Melbourne are leading the charge in the donations. So um, get on to that. Um, and I think that's I think that's all for the moment. Have you got anything else EK before we say goodbye?
2: No, I think we get to say
1: goodbye. Goodbye. See you in a couple of weeks.
3: Bye.
0: Wow, what a great show today. Thank you to our guests for joining us. And to stay connected with us, please head across to Instagram, follow us at adminunboxed. And if you have any comments or questions, please DM us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to join the show, please also let us know because we want to hear your story and your journey and also the expertise that you have in your administrative job here in Australia. Until next time, be amazing, be beautiful and see you guys soon.